Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of My Dog Ate My Email, an email marketing podcast brought to you by the DMA Email Council. My name is Komal Helia. I'm the chair of the DMA Email Council and VP of Marketing at Pure360. Today, I'm really pleased to introduce Gavin, chair of the Learning and Development Hub at the Council, who will be speaking with Adam at Movable Inc. all about things personalization. Over to you, Gavin. Thank you, Komal. Um, yeah, this, is a, this is a nice sort of introduction for me there. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited to, to, to speak to, to Adam. Um, he's, uh, he's been... Uh, He's been a very interesting person to, to speak to in the past. I'm, I'm sure you guys will, uh, will will love speaking to him. Adam, you there? Yes, I am, Gavin. Thanks for that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a client experience manager at Moveablink. Um, I've been here for around two and a half years. But prior to that, I was actually a client for Moveablink. Um, in terms of some of my side projects, I really enjoy speaking on podcasts. So it's great to be here today. <laughs> you've you've really set yourself up for this one now because you said you love speaking on podcasts so this is going to be the the best podcast that um dma listeners are, are, are going to have heard so far right i think the difference is in, in my personal life i speak around fulham football club and there's no certainty in that whereas at least when it comes to email personalization i feel like i know what i'm talking about <laughs> well let's 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 hope so um well yeah so you you've already said it we've all kind of said it already we're, we're talking about um personalization um and I, I guess a, a division of personalization as well, which is um, sort of looking into real-time content, which for me is really exciting. I think it's um, exciting for for a lot of people as well. But let's kind of let's kind of bring it back to um, to I guess the the, the the crux of this, which is personalization. And I think. I mean, we've been doing email for for long enough. I don't know how long you've been doing email, Comal, but I've been I've been around for about sixteen years. So Not sixteen. A, I've been about twenty. It's been a long time. It, yeah, we we so we've been looking about for a bit. So when we talk about personalization, I guess we get it, but it's always good to kind of um, come back to to the basics and kind of understand why we should be doing personalization. Um, and Adam, I don't think there's anyone else better to uh, kind of break that down for us. So over to you. Why, what, you know, why is personalization so important? Personalization is becoming ever more important when we look at retaining our customers and having that meaningful connection with them. So uh, I speak around email a lot as the fact that it is actually a connection with your customer. Um, mm -hmm. We send, we receive a lot of emails, consumers ourselves, and the, some of the things that we feel are missing in those communications is a sense of personality, a sense that that brand understands us. So um, a lot of the roles based around email are actually called customer relationship management, CRM. We're all familiar with that term, but we yeah, don't yeah. actually utilize it all of the time. So in terms of nurturing that relationship with the customer, the way of doing that is personalization. And I often explain this uh, to my other clients as, as a bit of an anecdote. If you were to actually build like a friendship with somebody, you do that by understanding what they're interested in. You speak to them mm -hmm. around, you know, what they've done on a daily basis and some of their behaviors. You understand what makes them tick and to use that information in future conversations with them and future interactions to make sure that it, you're build, building that meaningful connection with them. So really, when brands are interacting with their consumers, They've had that conversation. They've had the initial meeting. They've had behavioral instincts that have said what that customer is interested in. Now, if they're not using that one that, or some of that data to be able to personalize what they're showing to customers, 
it's the effectiveness of every time you meet that same person, you're going back mm. to them and saying, hi, what can I do for you? You know, you, you don't know who that person is or you're not treating it like you know who that person is. So it can feel very impersonal. And I think that brings it back to why personalization is important. If consumers don't feel like they are listened to, if they don't feel like they're treated like a person, um, we've actually found 84% of customers say that being treated like a person, not a number, is really important to them. So we need to be servicing that as marketers. Yeah, I, th I think that's 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 so true. I mean, if you think think about yourself and you know putting yourself into the shoes of the the recipient, and I think I don't think we do this in, enough, really, which is to kind of take off our marketer hat and put on our sort of consumer hat. That's how we want to be sort of sort of picked out. Um, we want to be the, uh, an individual, and it's, this, that's great. You know, that's that's straight off. You know, that kind of sums up exactly why we should be doing doing this. But let's kind of uh, uh, throw it out to you as well, Komal, if you if if you want to sort of um, add in. But it's it's one of these things that we can all see why it's so, it's so important and why it works. Why don't why don't as many um, businesses sort of use it? I don't I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, going going back to the 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 why you should consumers just want it. Um, mm. You've talked about the stat, Adam. Um, you know, eighty percent of consumers more likely to buy from a customer from a company that provides personalised experiences. So why are we not doing it? Um, and that's the big question, right? Um, we have resource poor, um, time poor. Um, Mm -hmm. teams that um that maybe don't really understand how to use it to its fullest and and actually there's enough technology out there to say that personalization strategies and tactics are democratized for most marketers now um mm -hmm. so why are we not seeing it in our inboxes that's got to be the yeah i think it might be sort of lazy practices um, people get sort of stuck in the ways. I think there's a lot to do with the fact that email is probably not seen as 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 powerful a tool as we we know it is. That's probably why people don't take it up, and it's just it's just not really understanding your your, your data. I think it's also right? about it's, how you can make yeah. use of that data. Like if, yeah. if there is data sitting in loads of different places, sometimes we know that tech stacks aren't always the easiest to talk to one another. But when you have tools that do talk to one another and all of that data sits in a place that can be activated at the point that a customer engages with your content, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's a case that I think sometimes personalization can be seen as quite a scalable challenge. So sometimes people think there's no point in me personalizing this email because I'm not going to be able to do this on a daily basis. And yeah. I kind of agree with them in that fact that if you mm. can't do it all the time, there's no point doing a really personalized email and then the rest of it being hello customer. The rest yeah. of it, you have to continue to do that. So about the scalability is something businesses should be looking towards. If you can build a scalable method of personalization, whether that's on a one-to-one -one basis or it is simple segmentation, to be able to actually deliver those personalized experiences, it has to be built in a scalable way. Yeah. I think also data hygiene um, plays a, a really big role in why not, um, you know, a, a connecting the dots is one thing, but then gaps, errors, uh, reliance on, I guess, legacy data. Um, mm. 
mm. doesn't instill a lot of confidence in in marketing teams to use that data to personalize um because if you get it wrong sometimes it can go horribly wrong right um, it can go horribly uh, wrong we've all we've all seen those yeah. those right yeah. i think it's important yeah. to put in what we call at move blink anyway fallback experiences the the, the uh -huh. expectation that you put, put in business rules around your personalization. Uh, I often come back to this example of around um, brands doing value statements. Now, value statements are usually things that maybe go out towards the end of a year, a month, or a subscription term. And it, it calls out the best things that have happened between the consumer and the brand during that time. So that might be that you've attended 24 football matches and you've seen five goals. It might be a case yeah. that you have engaged with the brand five times and you have bought 16 items. All of these bits of data show how a customer is engaged with them. However, there are always the instances where a customer doesn't have the best set of data associated with their account. Maybe they have attended 16 games of football and they have seen zero goals. You want to be yeah. putting in experiences that always switch that out to be showing a positive message to customers. And if you don't mm -hmm. think around the not so the, the negative aspects of personalization you can't account for those when it comes to delivering your creative sure sure you know it's it's, it's funny when you say that it, straight away my mind goes to um the um spotify reviews that mm -hmm. i i get at the end of each year which are incredible and that's that's exactly what we've been talking about you know making making good use of the the data you have mm -hmm. But just as you've been saying, Komal, you know, you've got to make sure your data's in the in the in the in the best the best state it can be in order to to achieve something like that. So it's it's probably why not everyone is is um, making the best use of it. They're probably scared of their data. I know I won't name any names. I've spoken to lots of clients who have issues with their CRM and sort of, you know, getting data out of the CRM to be able to use it in the right way, or, you know, you've just got legacy um, uh, sort of tools and they're kind of old and clunky and that makes an issue. But, you know, there are ways to kind of get around that. I don't want to make this all about sort of data, but it shouldn't be the fact that your data isn't in the best state um, that sort of holds you back from from doing personalization. You can still you can still personalize to to a T. In fact, you could probably look for the, the the gaps that you have and sort of you know take those people out, work on getting the the right data for those people, um, and the people that you do have the right data for, you know, personalize to your heart's heart's content. I think it's 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 definitely something you need to be doing. It, it is it's profitable, right? It, it it does make it does make money. I, th I think it's difficult for brands to see that because people don't experience data they might look at their data sets and think i've got all of this how how does this translate into meaningful experiences for my yeah. customers and i yeah. totally get that you know doing a data audit you go through everything that's there and you go how do i use this in a mm -hmm. meaningful way and we have to take ourselves back into the consumer's shoes and say if i am seeing x experience what is going to make that more relevant to me is that what i've recently engaged with with that brand is it recently what i've engaged with that with that website is that going to make me more likely to click through on that content is that going to mm -hmm. make me more likely to purchase from that brand <clears> because they're building that relationship so it's actually not a case of how do we take the data and make that into money it's a case of how do consumers see that data that is going to allow us to you know make the most of it from an engagement and revenue perspective. It's about creating um, 
meaningful, useful experiences for the consumer. And um, when we get, you know, we, we need to ensure that we are you know, very clear on our objectives, um, having set clear objectives. And um, and one of those, you know, they, they if all of them need to be um, with the consumer at the heart of each and every one of them. So mm. once you have that, then personalization is, you know, is, it's, it's not necessarily, it's not a strategy, is it? It is a means in which you can achieve the goals. Um, and, um, and it's a fantastic, so many layers to it as well. Um, this is, and this is what we'll probably unpick throughout today um, is all the different layers. And, you know, when we talk about personalization, we're not talking about first name, um, and yeah. we're, we're talking about the deeper um, ways in which you can personalize without the consumer even realizing um, that you're, you're, you're just bringing them that, 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 that word that's been around for the last 20 years, but is so still so relevant, is relevancy. <laughs> um, how, how do you become um, the most relevant to as, you know, um, as many people as possible. So, yeah, it's you know what it's it's funny. We 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 um I spoke to to Adam about about this this sort of topic before, and one of the things we were we were sort of going over, which you probably touched on a little bit already, was you know a conversation with your friend is easy, right? Because you know stuff about them, you're able to pick out um, nuggets of 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 um you know, information about them, you know, past experiences and drop that into, con- into conversation. And it's, it's effortless. Yeah. It, that's what this needs to yeah. be. It needs to be effortless. And as you were saying, Cole, it just needs to be, it, it needs to almost pass them by without smacking them in the yeah. face. I think if you're hitting them in the face with personalization, then you probably lost it. Um, it needs to be subtle enough that they kind of go, oh, these guys know me. And that's, you know, that's what's enriching the whole uh, relationship and, and giving you that that relevancy that you sort of spoke yeah, about. The best the best kinds of personalization are the ones that they they shouldn't hit, personalization shouldn't hit you in the face. It should feel like a natural conversation. In the same mm-hmm. way that if I was trying to have a conversation, as we say, with a friend, and the way that you try and build rapport straight away is you say, "I remember you told me this last week. It's good." Yeah. But if you reuse that same entry line every single time, it's not going to work. It's going <laughs> to feel like they just picking up where they left off from. It doesn't feel natural, whereas the best kind of personalization is is the ones that they give them the next best action. They give them the next piece of relevant content based upon all of the data that you've already consumed on it. It's about learning about that customer rather than just reading that information back to them. I mean, that's where year and review statements are great, but that's mm-hmm. not all of your communications. A lot of it is a case of saying, we because we know that you have done this, we know that you've engaged with our brand in this way, and we know maybe some contextual information about when you're engaging in that content. What is the situation at that point in time? We're going to deliver you the most relevant experience. I think I think you've hit on something amazing just there. Is at that point in time, yeah. which kind of kind of brings us into another realm. I mean, Comal, you, you said there's going to be there's different layers that we want to sort of talk about today, and that that's a, a perfect segue. Yeah. Thank you, um, Adam. <laughs> into into because timing timing's a, a great tool um, for personalizing. I mean, it's it's like telling a joke. You know, if if you if you uh, if you're off on the timing, the joke is you know it's like a lead balloon. 
Um, but if the timing's right, then everything kind of fits into place. And there's there's something about um, you know sending things at the right time, but also as you know, one one of the things I wanted to to sort of pick your brains about, Adam, is is that that sort of real time content um, because it does help to kind of get around um, sending at the right time yeah. because. I've got to say this. It's almost like a therapy session for me. Get this off my chest. One of the things I get asked quite a lot is, when's the best time to send an email? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why are you asking that? Because, you know, if there was a best time to send that email, then all of a sudden, you know, it wouldn't be the best time to send an email because everyone's sending it at that time. Exactly. So, you know. If if, if if the time to send was 7 p.m. for everybody, our inboxes would be very full at 7 p.m., and you would, your open rates would all go down for everybody. So let's not go yeah. on a time of send perspective because it's different for every consumer, I think. Exactly. It's worth alluding to as well um, how consumers are now engaging with content. It's not in a case that when I sit down to watch something on TV, I know that it's on at 9 p.m. I choose that content when I want to watch it. It's an on-demand culture that we live in. And mm-hmm. that's the same with our marketing. When I check my emails, is up to me. It's not when somebody sent it. It's when I choose to engage with that content. Now, if that's on a consumer-by-consumer basis, choosing when someone opens an email is not something that we can actually control. But the content that you show inside the email can be determined now using technology like Movebalink, and it's something we do for clients every single day. Being able to deliver that content in real time means that whenever they open it, whenever they choose that on-demand experience of email, they are being delivered the latest content and the most relevant content at that point in time. It's no longer about when you sent it. It's about when they engage in that content and delivering that experience then rather than at the point of send. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love I love the, the comparison you have there with, um, with being on-demand because that, um, that is exactly how people want to consume everything now. You know, I think about again how I watch TV. You know, I I, I don't even remember the last time I watched something live. Mm. <laughs> well, fo- football is is a definite right, um, but other than that, I I, I want to watch it when I want to watch it, and I think it's the same thing when it comes to our our inboxes. Um, you know, we can we can send it a reasonable time, so it's not you know we're not sending at ridiculous times, but. I think being able to um, generate content that resonates with people enough so that when they go through their inbox and they kind of, you know, they kind of pick and choose what they're going to, they want to look at, that we stick out enough. Um, But because that isn't always going to be at 9 p.m. every morning, you know, it's probably going to be a different time, especially now with people's people's um, sort of habits are changing because we're not all necessarily um, commuting into the office. So, you know, things, you know, times are changing. So we, we need to be able to make sure that the content within the email is relevant um, at that time. So I guess the stuff that you guys do with Blink is, is, um, is sort of making that... Um, making that all possible, right? Yeah, so I'll use the example here of some of our our news brands, let's say. I I don't Mm -hmm. even know sometimes how they sent email before this because it was was probably (laughs) understood as well. Email used to be a channel. You mentioned that people weren't seeing it for personalization, but people also weren't understanding that email was a real-time channel. Like, because it didn't used to be. It used to be determined at the point of send, but now when you do have technology that can deliver things at the point of open, it means that whenever I open up an email that maybe does have the latest news in there, 
I'm not looking at outdated articles. I'm looking at the ones that are available right sure. now for me. In the same way that if I went to Twitter, I went to Instagram. I, when I scrolled, I expect to see the latest content inside there or recommended yeah. for you as they've moved towards. But that's the same thing when it comes to your email. So people are expecting those same digital experiences. Is digital experiences in email. <laughs> wow, that's hard to get around. Yeah. In email as they're expecting yeah. inside their other channels. So it's just about how we deliver those using, maybe that's the time of day. Maybe that's using the weather at this point in time. I'm looking outside my window mm. and it's raining right now. Maybe that's the case that I do need to be shopping for wellies rather than looking at the swim shorts that that brand were going to advertise to me. It's yeah. a case of switching up those experiences based upon the data that we have when somebody opens up that email. Yeah, I think um, for our audience, Adam, I, it would be good to give some um, examples of real-time content. Yeah. We're very familiar with that terminology. I wonder um, if you could talk us through some of those examples. Absolutely. So starting from um, the basic level of personalization that we actually offer is really around email service data. So that's like email service provider data. That can be things that are determined at the point of send. We've mentioned first name, but there's a lot more to it than that. The data that is held inside ESPs give you a definite idea of who that customer is. The next layer up from that is our contextual level of data. So that is what we know about the real world scenarios at that point in time. So that might be the location that that customer opens the email in to be able to show them their nearest store um, to them and when that's actually open based upon now. So if I open the email at 1 p.m., is this store's closing in four hours? Being able to show them that level of personalization, being able to, based upon what device somebody opens that up on, and being able to show them, download the app on your iPhone versus download it on your Android, depending on what they open up on. So this isn't a level of personalization that is just useful for brands. This is really useful for consumers because if I open it up and I'm getting the more relevant piece of data to me because I'm opening up on an iPhone, and it's raining, and the offer has expired two hours ago, and being able to switch up that content, that's where it's uh -huh. useful for consumers and brands. You then have the next level of data upon this, which is behavioral data, uh, which is based upon how somebody has engaged with a website in real time, being able to show them that information back. So the example of that is I have just gone onto a retailer's website, I've viewed uh, a pair of jeans. I've added that one to my cart. But when I get their business as usual email, two hours later, that pair of jeans can be showing inside that email at that point in time, meaning when they actually engage in that email content and they go back to the email, it's going to be updated with the latest pieces of content based upon how they interact with your website. So from a consumer perspective there, that's meaning that that brand is taking into account all of their behavioral triggers how a customer is engaging with them to be able to deliver that content back with an email. Yeah, I think that sort of stuff is is really slick, and it's it's almost like um, <clears throat> being able to uh, take into account what's happened on site as well, as you've been saying. But you know, you sent out the email with the uh, the image of those jeans that were in the basket, but you've actually gone back without having looked at the email first, you've gone back and made a purchase. Yeah. You know, I'm guessing that you can, you can update things so that all of a sudden you're not telling them about the same pair of jeans again. Exactly. You know, there's, there's, there's something else. In That's there. exactly it because um, you have to take into account what they have done during that space of time. I, exactly, I my yeah. previous point I mentioned where you can never control when someone opens an email. So if a brand sends yeah. out an email in the middle of the day, but that shopper has then gone and shopped with that brand in the evening, 
and shown some more mm. behavior that's going to impact on the content in that email that they're going to open the next morning. When they open that email the next morning as a, a late opener, we'd call it, they're then getting the content based upon what they did the previous evening. It's, it's not um, creepy from a personalization perspective. It's a useful service because yeah. it's allowing that consumer to be given the most relevant information, meaning when they're spending 30 seconds inside that email, it's 30 spe- seconds better spent because of the personalization inside Sure, there. sure. Yeah, that makes, I mean, pff, that makes complete sense. You know, it's, it's. I, I've been talking about this sort of concept for a little while now. We, we, you know, you play with automation, you try to get the journey right for someone, but I don't think you can, you can ever perfect the customer journey because, I mean, you don't know what the, the customer sort of wants at that precise um, point in time. All you can do is try to think about the different um, the different um, sort of paths they can take and try to cater as, as best you can for those. And having sort of real-time content in, in your campaigns, your emails, is, is probably the best way of helping to perfect that customer journey. Because otherwise, we are we are just you know taking them on a on a on a journey that we want to take yeah. them on. What you've got to do is try to you know think about um, the the um, as I said the routes that they're going to to take and and, and cater best for that for that. Um, the, you know, all, all, thinking of all of this, right? Um, and Komal made a, made a good point of you know making sure that we kind of define exactly what real time content is. It gets me thinking that there there are going to be some people who are, as we talked about right at the beginning, maybe not even doing any personalization at the moment, or you know they've just started um, off into this. You know, um, is an aspect of of sort of um, you know crawling before you can uh, walk or run. In your opinion, Adam, is there the stuff that you guys do is it too far out of reach from from someone who is is only just starting in personalization or you know do you need to ramp up to it or are the the sort of um if you like gateway drugs to get you up to speed i think in terms of getting up to speed we've got uh, you know a different a massive variety of clients that move blink and what how people Mm. start off a lot of the time is the contextual use cases one of the great things about you know our platform specifically is that it's one piece of html code that goes into your email. So from mm-hmm. a like a technical perspective, it's we're just delivering an, an image and a link off the back of it. There's nothing more technical that has to come into it after that. So you can yeah. definitely, in terms of the crawl, walk, run approach, when you start crawling, it's already sometimes quite sophisticated in what you're able to do in terms of maybe it's switching out an offer and day by day, as soon as the offer changes each day, people are getting that new experience within maybe your welcome triggers. You can start off there. Then you move into the element of layering in some data to be able to personalize with as well. That's things, as I said, comes from your email service provider. Maybe that's a CDP that we're plugging into. Maybe it's other API feeds. And we're taking that level. But in terms of actual usability, I started off uh, client-side myself. And I've done really different levels of personalization from um, you know, the business I was working in had very little data available to us, uh, the first one I was working mm-hmm. at. But you can still personalize on the level of what you do have from the customer. You have to look at what you do have. And that might be when they last purchased. A simple bit of personalization based upon that data is already better than a batch and blast approach. When you move your way up, though, through the tiers, the more data that a a business has available to them, the more sophisticated you can get. So it shouldn't be overwhelming, the amount that's in there. It should be exciting in terms of how much you can achieve with it. 
I think that's 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 a great way of looking at it. It should be exciting. I think if <clears throat> I think if what you're doing isn't exciting you, imagine what it's going to be like for the end end recipient. I actually play um, um, the the so what rule. When you look back at an, an email <laughs> that you're creating uh, as, as actually someone who who's worked in email marketing, if you can read back at an email or a piece of content that you've created and say so what from a customer perspective and not be able to answer that question why are they receiving this what do they do off yeah. the back of this then you, you failed as an email marketer to be honest because you're not able to answer that question yourself your customers aren't going to be able to so always putting yourself back in the customer's shoes and thinking what would i want to be shown and then working your way as to technically how would you approach that that's the way mm-hmm. that you can deliver that for customers rather than looking at communications back and going, actually, I can understand why people didn't engage there. We should always be able to answer those questions before things go out. That's that's so right. I mean, it it, it, it shocks me how many times I've seen campaigns that you can, you can just tell. Someone said, we need to send an email. Um, so that's what they've done. They've sent an email. But so the hell what, oh, you know? I think, yeah, I mean, the amount of times I've spoken to marketers and they actually don't know why they've sent the email. They've just been told to send an email. Um, we just need to get an email out every week or every month. And, um, and yeah. it goes back to that objective setting. And then it goes back to, um, you know, how do you go to your senior leadership or your boss to ask you for greater investment in investing in other tech like Movable Link and others um, if you don't know why you're doing it. Um, and it's you, the, the why is the most important thing that you need to mm-hmm. ask yourself. Um, and once you have that, then it, it makes that justification. Why should I be spending more time on this email? Because it is meant to be doing X, Y, and Z that meets these business objectives then people start understanding, I get it now why you're spending all that time because um, because it's really important. And if I do real-time content, if I engage, you know, an X percentage more, it'll then have this knock-on effect to the rest of the objectives. And um, I think, if anything, marketers need to take away is just understanding the why. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I couldn't agree more. Um, and you know, part of all of that as well is is going to be testing. It, it's it's one yeah. of those those areas, right? Um, which it's like it's like you almost need to put the the hard work in, and not everyone's willing to to do that. But you need to test things out. Mm-hmm. And as as much as you know, we can sit here and and say that you know personalization is right for you, and this real time content is going to be great. You need to be doing some testing along the way because the testing will help you sort of justify everything. And as you're saying, if you're looking for, for buy-in from your, your bosses to do certain things, you do have to run some, some tests. And, you know, is, is, is this something that, that you guys do at Movable sort of, um, sort of weave testing into, into, to, to, to what you do for, for customers? Yeah, so there's there's a couple of ways of approaching this, and one of them is actually using a tool within MoveLink called the Optimizer. So what this actually oh, right. allows you to do is it's real-time A-B testing. So testing is, nice. is key to what we do because nice. there's no point being able to deliver, as you say, this level of personalization needs multiple thousands of variations to customers if you can't demonstrate the impact to it and learn from it. So what the Optimizer yeah. does is it actually delivers 
say you set up four variations, it would deliver them in real time to the recipients at equal measure. And then it would determine based upon either click through rate or conversion rate, um, the objective set out at the start of the campaign, which variation is performing best. If it's um, variation one is performing best, that will then be shown to everybody who opens that email or that piece of content at a future point in mm. time. So it's taking subjectivity out of marketing. And we all know that we've got subjectivity bias, that we will look at our content and say, I'm sending this out because I'm used to sending this out. And this is what our customers are used to. But yeah. if you take that out of it and you say, we're going to send out four different variations, we're going to see which has the best click-through rate in real time, and the technology is going to determine which is then going to show to customers. That puts you in a position of instead of saying to a brand uh, or back to a business, we've delivered a 50%, we could have delivered a 50% lift in click-through rate. You're actually saying we delivered a 50% lift in click-through rate because mm-hmm. we delivered it at this point in time. Now, that's great mm-hmm. from a brand's perspective, but from a consumer perspective, the reason why this is important is back to my point around how long someone spends in an email. If somebody's only got 30 seconds they're going to spend inside your content, they want to be they want the best content to be delivered to them as well. So it's actually saying that brand has already learned from what has been performing best. They deliver me with the most relevant, most well-performing piece of content for me to then go and engage in at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah, I think um I think it's a it's a it's a very very good point to to kind of make about um, testing and making sure that what you're sending out is is optimized. You can't just um, sort of hit and hope for the best. Um, and I, I like what you're saying about you know being, things being subjective because you do get you do get to that point unless you've got um, you know a, a, like a designer on your team who has taken the time to, to go through things with a fine tooth comb and knows that this particular size of, of, of button is going to help um, sort of draw people's eye to it and make them click and all those bits and pieces that, you know, everything else usually is, is just kind of subjective. So you, you've got to be able to test and, and look at, um, look, look at what's, what's driving those results. And, and also as well, get a clear of idea of, if, if you're looking at, um, I kind of shudder when I say this. If you're looking at open rate or click-through rate, you know, get a clear idea on <clears throat> on what you're driving as well, because um, that that's gonna that's gonna have a, an effect on the on the testing. Um, Absolutely. I mean, <sighs> with, if you're testing the use of say say a piece of personalization takes you, you know, an extra hour to that particular email build, that that hour of somebody's time has has a cost associated to it. We don't like to mm. approach that, but it does. So if you're going to put that into your email build and email is not a free channel it costs that money to go into what what are you getting back so being able to test the standard variation versus a personalized variation could allow you Mm. to see that you know customers are like 2.1 times more likely to view personalized offers versus unpersonalized you know that that's data that only comes off being able to test it which allows you to be able to say which tools are worthwhile using and what your time is worthwhile being put into when it comes to personalization, because otherwise you could end up doing it all or none of it rather than actually going, I'm going to put my time into the places where it's going to have the biggest impact. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's also very key as well is, and I think about this in terms of um, segmentation also, which I, I believe go hand in hand with, with personalization, segmentation and personalization hand in hand. Um, But I've also seen people who segment so much and to, uh, 
to a to um, you know a very niche degree that you're actually singling out some people from um, from your mailing. Um, so you get these um, these little pockets of people that aren't getting any messages at all. So um, that's that's one side of things you know um, segmenting too much. But then there's the other side of things which is um, um, you, you, you segment to a point where or personalize to a point where it's actually not profitable for you. Um, so you've got to think about, you know, if that if those 10 people that you've segmented to in your mailing list and you're going to personalize, is that actually going to drive you, um, you know, the the um, the revenue you want? I mean, it might do long term. So, again, that, that's probably part of something in your um, in your strategy you need to be uh, aware of. But, again, all these things need to be, be sort of set out and thought of because otherwise you are going to get people asking questions about uh, how much you're sort of personalizing and how much you're segmenting and if it's if it's going to make any sort of money down the line which is probably why I was saying I shudder about sort of thinking about open rates because we should be thinking more about the sort of lifetime value of the customer and if you can start to calculate that and understand that better um it does it does enable you to um to kind of justify um, these these sort of tactics that we're, we're sort of talking about today. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, um, if you're if you're receiving good relevant content from a brand, there's a few other things that you're not going to do. You're not going to unsubscribe, and you're not yeah. going to stop engaging with that brand because they're delivering you that relevant content. So when you're talking about lifetime value, this is something that is definitely harder to measure from an analytics perspective. Hundred percent. Yeah. It might not be about that one email that you send. It might not be about. Um, the open rates within the next couple of weeks. It might be the fact that by delivering that good experience and that clever visual experience to that customer that was relevant to them and it wasn't wrong effectively, it was something they opened up and engaged in or just read. That means that when they engage with your brand in future, they're going to be more open to your content. Um, it can mm-hmm. sound fluffy, but at the same time, the all of our brands see this over a long amount of time. And the fact that if you d- consistently deliver these experiences, it's definitely not going to turn those customers off of your brand. It's going to continue to make them want to engage in your content and open your emails. It's those marginal improvements that you make over time that have a, um, a big impact um, Correct. in the long run. Um, but, you know, I hate to bang on about objectives, but I will, and I will continue to. Um, but if you don't have them, then how do you really know what you're testing and how do you know what hypothesis you're, you know, you're putting Mm. into place within your testing structure? Um, And then how do you get buy-in to, um, to spend time testing, to get creative time, to make you new buttons and whatever it is that you're, um, that you're adapting your creative or your message or, um, you know, it's it's so essential it's the crux of um of everything um but it's probably why people don't invest much time in testing (laughs) yeah 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 it's you know what i think it's also as well part of it some of the people you see in the roles of actually um hitting the send button and are in charge of email they probably haven't been given the license to to do that sort of thing or i mean we've spoken about this uh, a couple of times before um because email is often the forgotten child of of the 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 marketing world um 
it, it, it works, right? So you just get you just get anyone to do it. It's often the sort of untrained eye that's that's working on email. I, I mean, that has no disrespect to, to, to some of the people working on it. But I, I bet you if you ask some people that are working on email, you know, do you think you're given enough time to uh, to do more of what you need to? They'd probably turn around and yeah. say no. Um, and I think it's like a it's like a, um, a vicious circle, right? If you applied more time to it and looked at those objectives that you, you, you're talking about and, and tested more, you'll probably unearth areas where you'll actually unlock more value out of the channel and you therefore get more time um, and budget to, to spend on it. So it's I, I hope there are there are some bosses listening to this mm-hmm. because um, that that will that will definitely help you um, sort of have more impact with with um, with email. We talk about the the sort of ROI that we have with the channel, and it's off the charts. But those numbers we only see those numbers with people who really apply time and I guess love, if anything, because you know we love email, we're geeky like that. Um, if you apply that that sort of love to it, then you're going to get the those sorts of you know. Um, stats back in terms of um, ROI, um, and if you don't, that's, if, you just need to put it in. And if you don't apply that kind of love as well, what does that say to your customers? Like we're, we're actually living in a consumer world yeah. now, where people can see whether love has been put into an email or whether it hasn't. It's not in its infancy. It's not in the fact that we are expecting it to be a very basic channel. As some brands elevate what they are doing in email, that means other brands mm. have to keep up and they have to deliver that level of experience that you're seeing from other brands before being left behind. So when, you know, people are saying, I, I spent in you know, a half hour, I sent out this email, that's fine. You can still put things together quickly if you have methods of putting it together quickly and not rushing it, mm-hmm. a customer not seeing that that has been put together in a really short space of time. Because mm-hmm. in, going back to the friend anecdote, if you had a text from a friend that you could see had been copied and pasted from another conversation, it's not necessarily going to make you feel like there is a, a relationship there, is it? It's going to make you feel like they have put together this as a quick copy and paste. And consumers can see that from brands as well. So putting time into email, putting time into personalization and delivering the right content is something that consumers are starting to appreciate because they're seeing it from other brands and other channels. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I think I think to 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 do that, you need to be using other techniques as well. And we're not here to talk about automation today, but you know, automating your processes will give you back more time. If you have more time, then you can start to apply it to to other areas like this. I think it's it's just sort of setting out, and as you said, Komal, you know, you getting your objectives and you know, looking at your overall strategy and, you know, putting um, right pieces into play and looking at the, uh, the the life cycle and, you know, figuring out where the best um, places to use um, uh, automation are. Did you hear my dog yeah. there? Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, p- uh, you know, plotting out exactly where you, you, you need to be sending out these these messages. And then once you have that, you'll, f- you'll find straight away that you, you're getting more time back. I mean, automation is the way forward. And then using that, that time in the in the right place and this is this is the right place to to personalize and have that real-time content absolutely i think the thing and adam you talked about it consumers are expecting this it's not just mm-hmm. a nice to have this is an expectation because they get highly personalized experienced in other areas and if we're not delivering that through email um 
and email is just seen as a push to everybody channel, then, um, you know, you're not cutting through the noise um, and you're not going to get the results that you're looking for. So um, whatever maturity um, or however we we call it of of personalization that you're going through, it is a must have. It is not a nice to have. And, um, and, you know, as as email veterans, we urge everybody to go out and and just try to to dip your toe above and beyond the first name, um, and 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 look at the results that it brings. But yeah. it's been a long time, isn't it? It's not. It's we're not saying try this for you know your next newsletter and you're going to get amazing results. This is a long term strategy that you need to invest in over time. Exactly, yeah, and it's it's. It, I think we've all been been saying it. Just just treat the channel with some respect, mm. and uh, you'll get you'll get the the rewards from it. Um, just before I, I, we sort of let you go, Adam, I want to I want to know if there's anything sort of uh, sort of sexy that you guys uh, have that um, people can really aspire to. So we've <clears throat> we've talked about the cont- and contextual and sort of behavioural stuff. Um, is there anything else in the in the mix from from you guys, or you know, in the world of of real time um, uh, content that we need to be looking out for? I think what's really exciting for me, uh, you know, personally, I, I love working with a platform that is continually evolving. But from Movelink, mm. what we're looking at a lot now is about data as a whole. So it's not a case of just the contextual, just the behavioural data. It's about plugging into these multiple data sources. So. You know, we actually conducted some research and found that like a third of organizations say that, you know, their, their tech stack feels disconnected to them. It feels that they have all of this data and they can't use it. So what we actually have looked at is ways of bringing in all of this data into MoveLink in something called data sources. So that is plugging into APIs. Maybe that's plugging into different CSV feeds that have rows of data for different elements of personalization applying some business logic and some contextual rules as to what should show to each customer. But we're delivering this through our email and other channels as well, such as mobile, which is really exciting. So it's a case of those joined up experiences. You know, we started back in 2010, really delivering time of open content for customers within email. And now that's moving to a space where consumers can expect similar experiences throughout other channels, taking into account all of this data. So I actually always have to take it as I'm a massive email skeptic now because I work in it. I, I open emails all the time and I try and understand what is that brand trying to do to me. But actually, consumers are starting to become this analytical way of working as well. We need to be looking at how we can do this in the most clever aspect possible using all of that data possible within email and other channels to make sure it's a joined up experience. So that's exciting. Yeah, I mean that that's that that goes to to speak um, volumes and what you mentioned before about you know being contextual, you know, sending on the the right channel, um, and that's a difficult thing to do, but it's it's made easier when you have the right um, right data to to power that um, sort of collecting data from the right sources. Um, you've got the right tech that's as you said speaking um, speaking well with uh, with each other. Um, and then the messages are, are sort of on point. And it's, it's like, every time I say things like that, it's cheesy because you are talking about the, the right message to the right person at the right time. Um, but you but, hear it all uh, the time. Alt- if, it, if, that's, if yeah. that was delivered consistently, 
I mean, we'd all be worried about our jobs because it's, it's, it's literally deliver the right message at the right time to the right people in all channels. It sounds like a very yeah. simple problem, but you have to look at what the drivers are of that and how to achieve it. But that's what consumers are expecting now. Yeah, 100%. That is exactly what consumers are expecting. Right. I um I think that's a good place for us to to wrap up. We've had um we've had some some good conversation here. I think we could go for a little bit longer, but then then again we are email geeks, so that we we uh, we uh, we would do that. Um, there's some some great things that I think you can sort of take away from today. I mean, the number one thing is you should be personalizing. Make more time for email, and it will make more time for you. Well, I should make more money for you, I guess. Um, so, so be doing that. Um, there is a um, if you want to have a, a bit of a, a more of a read on on this sort of stuff, there is actually a guide we'll put in the the show notes from uh, the DMA um, email and practice animation and real time content. Um, if you want to start looking into to more of that, um, obviously you can uh, sort of reach out to to Movable Link as well. Um, but I would say stay tuned for for more of these uh, these discussions um, via the uh, the podcast for the DMA, and um, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll see you again soon. Um, thank you for listening. <laughs>